screen. And we are recording. So good afternoon, no, good morning. Most people are in good morning, except there's a few of us. I'm not alone anymore in the other side of the world, yay. So good evening to us and then good morning or good afternoon to everybody else. Uh, my name is Georgina and I'm joined by Bonnie and all these wonderful coaches on the call or coaches aspiring to be. And we are basically, can everybody see my screen okay? Awesome. I installed a new Chrome extension yesterday, so I can't actually see my screen. So I just want to make sure that it's good to go. Um, yeah, so this is a pretty exciting um, chapter. We finished off last time diving into um, Fail Forward, which is probably my personal favorite chapter of the whole book. There's, it's, there's lots of good stuff coming, but it's one of my favorite chapters. And now we're going to be diving into how do we get our materials ready and then... Um, and then falling in love with failure. Did I just say the wrong thing then? Okay, wait, I have to check. No, I'm on the right chapter, right guys? We're doing four and five, right? Okay, good. Woo! Okay, four and five, yes. So fail forward, which is what I read. Okay, good. And um, getting my materials ready. Okay, cool, which is really important for getting ready for back to school. So this is probably why um, I, you know, it wasn't something we decided. We all just picked together, voted on biweekly book studies, but it turned out to be at a good time. So I'm really excited to dive into this. I did notice that not a lot of people have had a chance to do the questions, and I wanted to let you guys know that is okay. So for anybody who's listening to the recording after the fact who couldn't join live, please, please, please don't feel that you need to type and add your comments in before joining the live chat. We all know life is super busy. It's a crazy time of the year for everybody right now. And so whether you have had a chance to participate in the slow chat or even read the chapters, don't worry. We would appreciate your participation. We'd love to hear your ideas. Um, because as we talk through the questions um, for each chapter, you guys will be able to come up with ideas as you go. So please, please, please feel free to join anytime. We welcome everybody. All right, so just a quick reminder for anybody who is joining you, because I know there's a bunch of new people that joined also for this week. Um, so this is a slow back book chat, slow chat book study. Gonna slow my roll down there, long day. And so there are questions. Um, if you click on the watch video, you, there is a video that is linked that you can watch um, to see how the book study chat works. It's 15 minutes, so if you think you can figure it out, don't bother watching it. I just took my time to explain everything in detail. And then each question starts with a question slide, and then you have some slides after where you can respond. There is a fun slide on slide six, and so these are where we can engage with the community in Twitter. I did do two quick scans this week. I didn't see... Um, we didn't see too much, but we're really busy and that is okay. So just keep those coming as you go throughout. If you have like a spark idea or moment, then please feel free to share it that out that way. Um, the Google slide deck is like a choose your own book, choose your own adventure story. And so you can click on a question and it will take you to that part of the book study. All right. So before we start, I wanted to ask everybody who has had, because some people have gone back to school in this group, right guys? So before we even dive into the questions, does any, Devin's like sort of, I'm not sure if that was like one leg in the door and then you changed your mind or 
It's that uh, we were supposed to start this week, but our district had started distributing hotspots and the company that we ordered from did not deliver nearly enough to guarantee support and internet access for our kids. So out of 30,000 hotspots that we ordered, only 5,000 arrived. So our district had to hold an emergency meeting to delay school by one week. So that's where we are right now is in the middle of that delay. Um, summer number two, everybody. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a rough place to be in. So we started getting ready. We were set to do our back to school virtual orientations and then had to pull back uh, uh, last minute. So I we'll am try so again. sorry. Yeah. But you know what? I want to, you know, it, it's not for me to make the call or not, but there are, there's at least a pro on that is that we're trying to make sure every you know, student has equitable access. So at least that's a pro mm -hmm. and maybe gives teachers more time to prep as well, I guess, for in case they weren't feeling as ready as maybe they wanted to be. Um, but yeah, this is it. We're going to run into a whole new world of challenges um, this year. And so it's, it's important to share and see um, how we move forward with that. And we have also some comments in the chat. I'll just open that up. Yeah, struggle. Does anybody else want to share if anybody else had any struggles getting started this week at all? Day three of hybrid. Jeremy, did you want to share how that's going? Sure, I can talk a minute. Um, I think day three of hybrid is go going well uh, overall. Teachers are still kind of, you know, just wondering what it's all going to look like and as Brand new, a brand new coach and my co-coach. We're just trying to support any way that we can um, and trying to get them because we're in a district that not everybody has internet access or can get it. So um, we're trying to work with teachers to create the best plan for their students. That is super awesome. I wanted to ask, I'm not sure exactly if everybody here who's commented, I'm just going to look at the questions, is on the call now. Um, but I want to, yeah, Teresa's there, for example, not to put you on the spot and Devin and a few others, but if anybody has a goal that they've set that they actually were able to put in motion in the first week of school, it could be that your goal was long-term. It could have been that it was short-term. But if anybody has anything they'd like to share from, and I'll just move to that slide now. Um, there we go. So it was a goal that you've set to focus on in your role as a coach for the year. So has there been, and not everybody started, but if you have anything, please feel free to share. I think largely my goal um, this year is, so I'm only like part-time tech coach and then I'm teaching full-time as well. Um, but a lot of my, we're all virtual here um, as mandated by the governor. So um, I think right now my like manageable bite size goal is just to instill some confidence in uh, my colleagues as far as moving forward so that they're not because they're all like freaking out right now because everything's like, you know, all over the place and they're constantly having to readjust um, and remain flexible, especially with tech dropping out, coming back in, all these things. So it's a learning curve. Um, and I think I really enjoyed uh, the failing forward chapter. And I think that I'm going to pull an excerpt from that and share with them because um, that's kind of where what the name of the game is right now and it's really important like that we um, continue to kind of press forward despite those little tiny failures um, so I love that thank you for sharing Shannon would anyone else like to share 
I think that we have to kind of frame goals in terms of mindset, not necessarily of a, uh, of a what n next, you know, I think that's what everybody's kind of thinking about as far as trying to cope with the immediacy of where we'd like to be, but a what now? So like when things don't go the way that we want them to, we have a result. What now? Like, where do we go from here so that we can continue forward and at least recover some semblance of momentum? And I think that one of the missions I have for my staff this year has been to instill that that confidence and 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 mindset of you know if we're gonna do this let's make sure that we can do this better than anybody else can and building that community of you know pride and and rising up to the challenge okay so you know what we have to do things remotely how do we encourage students and teachers to embrace that well you know let's start with what we can control locally so we designed um, some custom virtual backgrounds for our school that students and teachers can use so that they have something to throw back there when they start things up. So we can build remote campus pride. We can hold remote events. We can try to adapt and model that resiliency that we want to empower our students with. And I think that's kind of my goal aside from any sort of you know academic goals that may be set that are out of my hands because in reality, um, any type of data is already gonna tell us what we're already gonna know. Um, a friend and I, a friend of mine, my coworker and I, we, uh, we got this little idea and I, I really, it is one of my goals to start. Um, we do a lot of PD on like pedagogy and stuff. And I mean, that's hard. And we wanted to like have like a, like a cycle, like a fun place. Like, um, because I know, what, regardless of which side of the debate you're on, like emoji classrooms are a thing. Um, but we were, I think like they could take that same idea and like put it into escape rooms or something like that, that have like valid like assessment tools built in and everything like that. And so we are gonna make like an escape room club and meet once a month. And honestly, I think teachers are gonna take it over. I think we're just gonna have to provide like the marketing and the, you know, the, the background. Um, but I wanna like, that's something I want to do this year is help people like find their joy and like remember that they like this job and um yeah and like just 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 let let's have a little fun um because I know everybody's so stressed and it would be like and I've just seen such outpouring of time and energy like I said on those emoji classrooms and I was like and some people are so against it and I was like how can we take it and just tweak it where it involves like assessment or pedagogy or the curriculum and I think if we just kind of geared it towards like escape rooms or like interactive um, things that, that in, you know, not just, like I said, like the, the 2D Bitmoji, but more like, like you said, like your choose your own adventure idea and stuff like that. Uh, badging system, bam, exactly. It, we went, make some badges, you read my mind. Um, I just want to find some joy projects for teachers this year. To me, that's my goal. I love it. Joy, happiness, googliness. Mm -hmm. Yay! That makes Georgina very happy. Anyone else? Awesome. Go ahead, Devin. I see ya. You know, I think it's that idea. I, I, I keep hearing the words overwhelmed. Um, I heard that quite a bit from my um, son's kindergarten teacher. He's starting kindergarten next week, and um, so he goes to a school. There's two kindergarten classes. It's in our district. Um, and the two teachers there are some of like the go-to teachers that we have to offer for that level. And because they're going digital, they're very overwhelmed and unnerved by the sense that 
they're uncertain that a lot of the students are going to be able to interact with a lot of the tools of remote learning. And so they actually like reached out to me to see if we could put together a video of how to navigate Google Classroom and turn in work for kindergartens for littles. And so the idea came to me to bring my son in on that, put him on camera as kind of a way to reach out and build that sense of classroom community. And so like he helped me model, we kind of shared the, um, the screencast on how to do this, just a short little two and a half minute video, shared it with the teachers. And his teacher called me in tears saying that like, this is gonna be the first night she was gonna be able to sleep well because she needed to see that a child of his age could take part in what they had set up. And so I think that the more that we communicate to students and to teachers that everybody is learning and everybody is sharing to build that community is going to do so much um, as far as building relationships and understanding. And I'm really excited to see what comes from that when things do open back up and we are back on campus, the sense that, you know, as a student, you don't have just a teacher to go to. You have an entire community that you can reach out to, and you know you have somebody who will be able to support you because of this experience. Yeah, my daughter's in a hybrid setting. Um, I know Jeremy said you guys were doing it, and I know the tech person. She should be. Her name is Nikki. She's, she's around all the time, but um, I know they're the tech person in her district, and she's always texting me, acting like you know the whole place is on fire. And I was like, honestly, Sadie's fine. Like everything's fine. They made a, a common structure for Google Classroom. Like teachers across the district all have to use the same structure, which totally makes sense. So I look at all my my daughter's uh, Google Classrooms. They all look the same. They're very similar. It's organized by date. Like I think too, we need to help people remember they're doing better than they think they are. Like like you know Devin's kids teacher. Like you're doing all right. You got this. Like take a breath. I I do. I think there's a lot of panic. But I think it's 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 because there's no foundation. So so say you you do you become the best online teacher in the world. Next week we might go back face to face. Nobody knows, um, and I think that's what a lot of the people are worried about too. I think you framed it really interestingly. Everybody's looking for the experts without realizing that everybody is the expert. Yes, yes. That's right now. the new norm. Yes. Yes. I don't know if you all have the. Um, the nod reactions. Melissa did raise her hand. Um, I see it. I was going to call her. Okay. I just didn't want it. Yeah, Thank no, you, Virginia. Cool. No, I didn't want to interrupt either. Thank I just you for raising your hand. Again, I love that feature. I don't know if everyone had the feature, but if you want to use it, feel free. And if not, you know, just feel free. But um, yeah, Melissa's got her hand raised. So let's give her the floor. Go ahead. I'm so sorry, Melissa. Uh, no, it's fine. I just, I'm just sitting here listening to you guys and you're like, I'm like, I have zero experience compared to these people. And I've been doing this for four years. And it's like, you guys sound so amazing, but um, I oh, yeah. it, it kind of, some of the things I heard y'all saying, um, can you, you can hear me. Okay. Yep. I love oh, it. Okay. I saw, I'm I, the only person it like you're playing to your ears. I like I it. You, um, you guys are just seem to flow one person and then the next person, there's no interrupting. So I thought, okay, I think I'm doing something. <laughs> Make sure I raise my hand anyway. Um, so when I listed one of my goals, um, I listed about encouraging teachers to persevere and I've heard, like you mentioned the overwhelm, the, I've heard it a lot and I'm hearing it when they are comparing themselves to other teachers. Oh, so-and-so is the real techie one. I'm so overwhelmed. She's got it all together. 
oh, you know, I've got all this going on and I'm so overwhelmed, but she's got this and he's got this. And so I've been with the two that I've been working closely with uh, recently, I've just kind of reminded them, hey, think about where you were last year. You didn't know how to do it. You, you've now made Google a Google form. You've now you know, done this survey. You're now connecting with your kids in a way that you've never done it before. I said, look at you go. And I've been trying to celebrate those things because they're, they start kind of tearing themselves down with where they don't, they're not where they think they should be. And you know, like you mentioned, I, you know, I have told them, you don't have to have a Bitmoji classroom. Well, it's fun and everybody else is doing it. I, okay, if your team has decided you're doing it, then rely on them. And say, hey guys, you know, I, I am a team player and I'm, I want to do what you want to do, but I'm struggling. And and she's like, you're right, you're right. And I said, don't compare yourself to them. Um, just just look at where you were and look at how much you're trying to grow. And and then I've kind of pointed out things I've noticed where before they used to say, well, the kids can't do this and the kids can't do that. And now their their mindset is changing a bit. So they're saying, well, I'm not sure if they can do it, but we'll try. You know. And I go, and you know what? It could be amazing or it could totally blow up in your face yeah. and then you tell the kids well that was a disaster okay now right. let's, you know, what can we do and and get them involved and say okay so how could we make this better and it doesn't matter if they're five or you know 15 they can still give some suggestions even if they say well let's eat pizza while we do it okay well maybe that'll work who knows but anyway um but just trying to i feel like i'm trying to just reduce that stress level for them. And usually they leave me going, okay, I feel so much better. So that's yeah. like, good. That's it's a my lot goal. of cheerleading. Yeah. A lot of cheerleading. And I think that's important. Like I said, I think people are doing things right. And they're just not taking the time to acknowledge like, hey, I'm doing a good job. And I think, you know, maybe pushing that. I know Jared, I don't know where Jared's at. He's the best at celebrations and stuff. Like maybe that might be my goal is to make people celebrate. Yep, celebrations celebrations are fun. I, I, I thought Jared was going to add more to that, but Jared dresses up <laughs> just for the record. Okay, let's talk about some costumes, Jared. Let's talk about some fun. Well, yeah, I, you know, I, I do. I, I do dress ups just to kind of, you know, get everybody, um, everybody riled up. So things like, you know, superhero cape or, you know, like uh, last couple of days for with students, I've worn my Google shirt and a cape and a hat and, you know, flying around the room just to get them excited, which in turn gets the teachers uh, excited about, you know, learning new things. So, so yeah, I love, I love costumes. I love food. I was throwing donuts, you know, pre prepackaged donuts to um, everybody today in my session. You know, what is Google Drive? Oh, you got the right answer. Here's a donut. <laughs> So yeah, little little things to kind of you know get the hype hype going. But right right now we're kind of in this where we call it leap week. So we're giving the students a, a leaping chance or a leap forward, however you want to phrase it, on rules, procedures, meeting their teachers, getting to know the building, that kind of stuff. So anything to drum up some excitement. It's preseason. That's preseason. And I think yeah, that you, right. yeah, and I think you framed something really interestingly that uh, a lot of us have kind of you know, I've noticed have, have really jumped on. And I think it's been a really interesting shift is the uh, value of presentation, right? Like you can't just be like everybody else. You have to recognize, you know, that 
you know, the way that you come across is a big part of teacher credibility. I know Hattie puts that as number two and everybody overlooks that because number one is collective teacher efficacy. And that's really mm -hmm. cheap to put forward for administrators. But the idea that the way that you kind of design this experience um, is really fascinating. And, you know, a, a really unique approach to this. I found I've kind of stepped out of education to explore this and look at um, kind of the space of um, like conferences and, and those who build these virtual experiences for a living. Uh, and there's a great expert. I'll put her name in the chat. Her name is Jenny Sarah Klein. And she does wonderful videos on YouTube uh, about how to create and design experiences that are engaging and uh, personable. And I think that that's kind of the space that we find ourselves in pedagogically. It's not really even about the technology. It's how do we value and how do we get our students to value the time and, um, and opportunity to sit with us and feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. And so that's a really interesting space I'm kind of exploring and, and I wanna learn to, to dig into a little bit more. But, you know, I love that idea. Like, I, I think I've had more questions from teachers about, you know, home setups. Like, how do you, you know, like, you know, where do, where do I get a yeah. good microphone or lighting ideas? Um, how do I make it look professional? And I think that that is something that, you know, maybe didn't exist in classroom design or physical layout before that now more and more educators are starting to see that they'll be able to take back into their room full time. I love it. And we have linked in Shannon was on it and she linked in a video that you shouted out, Devin. And so I'm kind of adding um, also notes to the bottom of the slides, which I think I forgot to announce during the last book study. But um, if you guys take a look, if you just move your slide up a bit, I've been taking notes of what you guys have been saying, which add to it. So the note, the speaker notes could be like what we shared as a collaborative discussion together. And then the notes in the slide can be your independent um, thoughts and collaboration. So well done there. Um, and Devin actually very nicely moved us on to question number one. So let's just fill that in with some other ideas. See, Devin's got it. Yeah. Um, so basically, it was just taking a look at those five pieces of advice that um, Megara had laid out in that chapter. And what are some strategies to power up the classroom? So we've already shared quite a few. I added Devin's to the bottom. And um, how might you use that advice to then build up your, um, it's called a coaching supply list, but we can look at it from two angles, right? It can be like your coaching list is helping your teachers build their list for back to school as well. So whatever you guys feel um, you'd like to share. Um, but I think an, a really op nice opportunity will be to focus on the DIY so that we can make sure everybody is able to participate equitably. So let's see, would anybody like to share? We had a couple comments in the um, Google slide deck, feel free to chime in. So Jessica has mentioned in the comments to create and maintain authentic experiences. And so um, this is very interesting, Jessica, do you want to do you want to add to that? So that was that was just going off of what Devin was saying and what others were saying um, before we moved into um, the first question. Um, a lot of teachers are comparing themselves to others. And I was talking to a colleague yesterday who was like, I don't know how to be authentic through SEL virtually because I'm not a huggy 
cheer per, you know, I'm not like a cheerleader in real life. Um, you know, she supports her students in other ways. And, um, and I have to keep reminding them, like, just be you, do you, don't overdo it and don't try too hard because the kids will pick up on that. And then it's just a whole nother, like, we te I teach high school. So it's like an eye roll. They know you're trying too hard. They don't really feel like you care. And so creating and maintaining like that authentic experience, be you, you will, you will connect better. You will, sorry, my dog came to say hi. Um, and you will, um, you'll get it if you're not trying too hard. If you try too hard, you're putting too much pressure on yourself. If you just do one thing at a time and make it authentic, it will come as it comes and it will be great either way. And that's kind of what I'm trying to um, support my teachers with and remind them is to just be themselves because it ends up being better in the long run. I love that, to be yourself, be authentic. And we're always telling our students that, right guys? When we're in the classroom, we're always trying to say, don't compare yourself to your friends, make sure you have your own voice and we always try to amplify their voices. So I think it's nice, Jessica and Devin um, combined that you're reminding us to remind our teachers about that as well. Um, I noticed Shannon and has also added um, onto, um, onto slide 10 and so has Devin. Do either of you wanna elaborate on your comments? before I add mine? I just think, um, like, I really liked, I kind of highlighted how she said on uh, page 45, the idea that it's important to proactively support students in understanding, like, how to make good choices. And we do that through scaffolding, goal setting, and clear expectations. I, I've, in, re in relation to, like, the whole tech is not a treat area. And I feel like, like that's really truly so much, it, it's always been important, but it's so much more important now um, because there isn't the proximity monitoring, at least in my world, because we're all virtual. Um, you don't have the opportunity to read body language because you're only seeing from their mid chest to their TED, you know what I mean? And most of the time, I mean, depending if the kid's like, just gonna show you their nose because that's life, right? Um, but I, I think it's really important to kind of build those expectations in those scaffolds in um in an effort towards like pushing them to take some ownership of their learning um you know i i have kind of already started to see that like right now my kids are like really really uh, on it um but i know that that's not going to probably sustain uh this is just all new right now but so i'm doing everything in my power to ensure that they have the tools that they, they need to be successful because not only are they dealing with like the curriculum and the content, but they're also dealing with the tech issues. And they're also dealing with, you know, quarantine and, and being at home and not having that engagement with friends. And so I think it's up to us to be kind of just mindful in that. I really love that. And I wanted to ask about, um, we're gonna get to Devin and his pilot squad in a minute. I wanted to ask though about the, um, the um culture when you're talking about like which strategies are good to use do you guys think because remember jenny wrote this book right before you know COVID hit do you think our toolkit has changed at all or can be adapted from what she's listed what are your ideas on that becky's nodding her head i think she wants to say something well, I think it has. I think there's a lot that's changed because that not change is the right word. A lot of things that can be adapted, such as um, and sorry, I'm going to be a little off today, but where she was maybe it was in like chapter three. I don't remember right now uh, talking about getting your students to take that ownership and kind of like help and walk through or the students were writing reviews on apps. 
that's really hard in a virtual setting because if you're the teacher and you're sitting there with your group of students and keep in mind I'm elementary perspective. So let's say I've got my group of fifth graders and I want them to go on and do something and I've got my tech leaders for the classroom that are there to support. As a teacher, do I just go on mute and let one of those students help each other? Out? Like it, those types of things are hard. So we need to somehow adapt and say, okay, we need these tech leaders. Obviously we need them. Like, let's take some of the burden off of the teachers. You don't need to respond to every question about how do I make a copy of this and da da da. But how do we get our students to engage and support in a fully virtual setting? And then once that comes back into the classroom, like how do we take that role and grow it to be something even bigger than just, okay, walk them through how to click on this because at some point we are gonna be back face to face. And let's be honest, our students, if they haven't caught on to how to open up a doc, by the time we come back after months of having to open up docs, like that's kind of what our tech support was helping with to begin with was the really simple, simple basics. Now it's gonna be, how do we take this group and use them to push our class to that next level to truly be teaching, like here's something cool and innovative from a student's perspective. Um, so I see that aspect alone changing and being modified in a lot of different ways and still using the title of whatever you call your students, the sit or the whatever, and just growing and developing that way. But that can happen throughout and in a bunch of different areas. I'm going to stop talking. I'm rambling. I'm sorry. No, that's really good because we want to talk about like how it's adapted and changed so that we're ready also. And um, just before we get to the pilot squad, I therefore want to ask, like, therefore, what is your toolkit for coaching? So remember, we're looking at how are we going back as coaches? So what does your toolkit look like? I'll give you one example for myself. It consists of routines to help teachers. So what are the routines they're going to need to give to their students when they come to their first day of online learning? So that may be a little late for our North American friends who have started school already, um, but could possibly be in time for others. But I know that there have been a lot shared also on Twitter already, but that is one piece of toolkit that's going to be really important in creating that classroom culture that was also in um, question one there. So how can we build that culture going back? And it's anything that you need that you think will help students feel comfortable, feel at ease, help teachers feel not overwhelmed and feel at ease. So do you, can you guys think of anything else that you might want to add to your um, coaching toolkit for that? Any ideas? I, we were kind of chatting in the chat. I think like um, tutorial videos, screen recordings, really drawing upon those skills because, you know, we have a like we have a site of a hundred teachers, and there's two of us that are tech coaches that like you know are trying to help everybody out. But I can't literally be on a Zoom call for every single person, and so Loom has become like my best friend um, because it allows you to like not only screen record, but you can use your little picture to guide people uh, wherever you want them to go in the screen. And so um, I think that that is like going to be a new tool because sometimes, you know, not even though it's not ideal and you're not necessarily face to face or via a Zoom or a Meet or whatever, um, you can give them those quick kind of uh, answers uh, and then follow up later on. And then uh, Teresa mentioned, uh, maybe she could speak to it, the idea of like, students taking ownership um, and creating those videos as well. I think that's great. Yes, let us know, Teresa, because I think that ties in nicely to Devin's uh, pilot squad after that. Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a like 
thinking out loud, but maybe that would be a really good way to give the kids the ownership. Cause I've often had like kids in class who will be tech support or things like that, but that might be an, a way that they could still offer that, that skill, but yet it's not like whoever said before, you're, you're suddenly going on mute and letting the kids take over. You know, if they could create those tutorial videos asynchronously and then have that as a resource for their classmates. You know, that's something we've even considered before, you know, we had to go remote on our campus was having a student tech showcase, almost like a conference with breakouts where students were the presenters on tech tools that they've been utilizing in unique and different ways because the audience for that wouldn't just be other students it'd be other teachers as well and that kind of leads into what i was able to do as a sixth grade teacher is i was always looking for tools that i knew would benefit students but i wanted to make sure that they would be effective you know anytime you see somebody present something it's with kids and so i wanted to make sure that i could diffuse um tools that i thought would be beneficial and so i didn't always pilot with the students who i knew would be successful like those four or five kids who are going to be your A's because, you know, every, they would be successful no matter what you threw at them. I wanted to find students who I knew were um, influential in the class that had struggles because I wanted to give them kind of a sneak, you know, everybody likes being the first to do something. And so I would select, you know, four or five students to be kind of the models. And I would give them this tool and I would tell them, Hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to try this thing out. Don't, tell anybody else but i want you to play around with this see how it helps you and just kind of report back to me the reports back to me were never like the, the goal it was when they would kind of leak out to their buddies what tools they were using and so um you know i use for example hemingway app uh is a great tool that i, I let our students use for um revision because i i knew that you know getting feedback in writing was essential, but it was also the most time consuming for me. So when Hemingway app came out, it allowed students to copy and paste or link a Google doc, submit it, and they would get feedback. And I'm not talking like spell checks or, or your grammar, but um, like really interesting things like run on sentences or word choice, active and passive voice. And they would get that feedback within 30 seconds. It didn't tell them what to change things to, but it highlighted areas that they may want to reconsider. And so once students had their hands on that, it changed the entire writing process for them. And because other students saw these individuals be successful with it and have measurable and documented improvements, it allowed more students to want to uh, embrace those tools themselves because I recognize, and I think all of us do, that they could hear it from us a million times, but they can hear it from a peer, use the exact same terminology, and use the exact same demonstration, and they get better buy-in. So I love the idea of using that as a student tech team to empower students, not just to try new things, but even start to look for new tools that will help them be successful and really demystify the technology uh, and how we use those tools on campus. I threw this in the chat, um, but Devin, I've been using that same mindset this year with teachers. And when I'm working with teachers, my focus has not been to find the teachers who are the greatest at technology. Um, like I was sharing with some of you, we got all new devices this year and devices I've never used. And so instead of finding the teachers that are the most tech savvy to say, let's troubleshoot and figure out the best way to utilize our new smart boards and our new all of this for hybrid teaching, 
And then um, we'll create a video and put it out there. Instead, I went to this group of teachers that I know uh, tech isn't their favorite, but they're, they have voice and they have an influence across the district. And it was like, let's meet. And so now we have weekly meetings together. They're taking full ownership of this. And like teachers listen to them better than they listen to me sometimes, even though I'm also just a teacher on special assignment, but I've definitely heard the term, well, I'm not at Becky's googly level. And I'm like, no, no, that, and so then that hurts to hear. It really does when you hear that, because you're like, that's not at all my intention. So I've started doing that same concept with students, but with teachers when I'm coaching, of finding those that let's, let's have a voice and let's not just go to the most tech savvy every time. I love that. And I like the fact that you're empowering new voices and voices that are then going to also amplify those that are tech savvy. I think it's going to bring everybody together. I like the way you've closed that gap, Becky. So thank you for sharing. Um, just for time, guys, let's move on to the next question, if that's okay. But please continue to share in the chat if there's anything um, that you'd like to add on to that as well. We have touched on it a bit. And I know Shannon's um, lovely elaboration also touched on to tech is not a treat. But I wanted to say, that question for its own because I just continue to see even in this decade that there are a lot of teachers still saying like oh you made a poor digital citizenship choice let's take away your iPad for the lesson and I'm like ah so I wanted to talk about how we can help also demystify that and how is it not a, you know how can we give the digital tool just as much value as the pencil tool because i truly believe that analog and digital have a balance that's the whole behind of blended learning right guys and so we're never as ed tech leaders and coaches ever trying to say let's take away the pencil but at the same time we're also saying let's not take away that digital asset as well so what are your thoughts on that i have seen some comments but wanted to leave it open to the floor to anyone who hasn't participated or who would like to elaborate on their ideas. No, but that's uh, that's such a valid point. And we've, if we've, we're struggling that right now with students um, who have made bad choices on Google Meet and stuff. And um, the initial response is always to like, well, you know, deactivate their account. Okay. Well, you know, and, and it tends to be an overlap between the kids who need the most help almost like and the kids who are making the poor decisions um and so that is something and i'm i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna stop talking because i want to hear y'all's answer because i need an answer to this problem so i'm i'm, I'm all ears all ears go I'll ahead hop. jessica i'll hop in i i really feel like um preemptive management of what kids are doing um is really a way to uh, try and get them to not misuse it in the first place. So um, one of the part of the question was creation apps versus um, was it creation versus um, content. And so am I sitting there and I'm just assigning digital worksheet after digital worksheet and we and talking at them and things like that? Or am I designing interactive, engaging content where if they're busy doing what I want them to do because it's engaging, they're not misusing you know, or, or doing something else, watching football highlights or on another uh, uh, website or whatever. So I really feel like being preemptive and planning quality, engaging content related curriculum and activities can help mitigate that before it even happens. Um, and then after it happens is just, you know, because it will no matter what. Um, 
instead of taking it away, really just like monitoring reinforcement, positive redirection and um, positive reinforcement, because that's what we're always told. And that's what works, shaming them, taking things away, all of that. It doesn't always work. Usually they're just stuck. And when you have 30 kids in class, you can't get to them. So they're going to do something else while they're like waiting and they forget to ask for help or they forget what they were doing and they're having more fun with whatever they're doing. So providing help and support, positive, positive feedback, positive reinforcement and pre-planning, I think is really the best ways to avoid, you know, misuse in the first place. But Melissa, I found I found my unmute button, guys. Melissa. Okay, um, kind of building on what Jessica was saying is, um, we have so for our in our school district, the Chromebooks even before this whole learning from home thing, the Chromebooks was how the students had their curriculum. They did have textbooks in the classroom, but a lot of our content is online. So really, taking away the Chromebook is not an option because now you're taking the student's curriculum away from them and you can't do that. So um, some of the suggestions for kind of keeping them engaged, we used to hear from our admin all the time, oh, well, if the students are misbehaving, it's because you're not engaging them. And to hear that as a teacher, it's like, you know, constantly hearing, well, you're not engaging them, you're not engaging them. It was really frustrating. And it's like, but I'm standing on my head and I'm dancing around the room and I'm letting them work together. Um, but I was reading an article or an email or something from Alice Keeler and she was talking about what, why students play video games is because they get, you know, they start off on a low level and they get successful and then they do something else like get successful. Why do kids act up sometimes? Because they don't feel successful. And if we can give them little moments of wins and wins and wins and wins. So uh, one suggestion I had, a, yeah, I was literally talking to a teacher yesterday who was like, how do I keep them engaged? And I'm spending all my time troubleshooting tech. And I said, well, why don't you, do the tech thing together. They're in fourth grade. They may or may not have, you know, familiarity with Google Slides. So let's, for your synchronous time, you know, Johnny, you're always going to be slide 13. Whenever we do something, you're going to be slide 13. And Alice, you're always going to be slide eight. Every time we do something. Okay, guys, we are going to use the shape tool and we're going to draw a circle with a shape tool. And I'm going to show you right here. I just kind of hover over things. Here's all your menu for things you might want to do and then model a shape. Okay, now you draw a shape. So everybody, you can see it on the slide deck, like we can see everybody else's work here. You can see who's working, who's not. And I can say, whoever's on slide 11, oh, Michael, you know, are you having trouble finding the, the shape tool? It's the little circle with the square. And you can give that feedback immediately so that they're successful. Okay, now color the shape tool. Okay, now add a, you know, your favorite food. Now add the picture of the food you hate the most or whatever, and they can, you're teaching them how to use, all the tools in slides so that later on when you do want them to actually create something for their work, they're already familiar with the tools so you're not bogged down with the tech bits and they've felt successful so there is a buy-in to doing those activities. So, um, but I haven't been invited into that meeting where the teacher's actually done it yet so I don't have no idea how it works. It sounds great though in practice. Or in yeah, you bring up a really interesting point, Melissa, about um, the the appeal of video games. And it's easy to forget that video games are very rigidly designed with, with a purpose and a goal in mind. Um, there's a great video. I want to see if I can find it and put it in the chat where um, a, a set of journalists do an experience interview with Shigeru Miyamoto. He's the guy that created and designed Super Mario Brothers. And they play level one one. 
together with him. And everybody in this room, I, th I think, has played that level to start off the first level of Super Mario Brothers. And so he walks you through like the whole point. Okay, like just talk through the experience. Okay, I'm just standing there. I'm going to try to move around. I can go forwards. I can go left. I can go right. Well, I can't go left anymore. It won't let me go back. So I guess I have to just keep going forward. Oh, there's this creeping little dude coming along my way. Uh, I got to do something. Uh, let me push some of these buttons. Oh, I can jump. Okay. All right. I can jump over. Oh, I, I, I landed on him. Oh, it crushed. Oh, he's flattened. But okay. I think I got, oh, there was a little ding. I guess I got some points for that. There's a box with a question mark. I should do something with this. Let me see if I can. Oh, something came out of that. So every little step along the way is designed for you to understand more and more about what you're supposed to do. It did come with a manual, but nobody read the manual. You learned by doing. And so as you go further along in the level, they ask Miyamoto through an interpreter. So what, at what point during the development of this game did you design this level? Was this like the first thing that you designed and put together? He goes, oh, absolutely no. This was the very last thing that we put together. This level was the last part because we needed to understand what we wanted our players to know how to do. And so we started at the end. The very first thing we did was the very last level. But how were we going to get players there? And it was a wonderful case study in an overlooked part of planning, and that's backwards mapping, is I think that a lot of teachers are so focused on how are we going to engage students that we overlook how are we going to get kids to where we want them to be. And what we have right now is a shift in how we design those experiences. However, we still have the opportunity to keep in mind where we want students to go. And I think bringing in that mindset of, you know, game theory and game design is going to be a really helpful component in helping our teachers design those experiences. I love that. And I absolutely agree. The whole idea also of the candle of curiosity, how do our younger learners learn through play and how do we keep that going all the way up? So thank you for sharing that, Devin. Um, I also really liked what, um, sorry, let me get my screen back. There we go. On um, slide 13, um, it was Francis. Is Francis still here? There she is. Um, Francis was talking about there the use of um, mobile phones. And I wanted to ask Francis, did you have experience with that? Because I think it's really important. Like some schools are saying no phones. Some schools are saying phones. My school started out being phones only and nothing else. So it's quite an interesting conversation. I was curious, Francis, if you wanted to share what your experience has been with that and um, has it supported to enrich um, this development forward or hindered it, et cetera. Um, well, basically, our learners, it's the only devices they've got. So that's what they have to work with. So there's no choice. So, yeah. Um, most of our learners are ESOL learners. So they're learning English. So they've not necessarily got very good access to the internet or, or devices. So it's just something we are working with and trying to do our best with. But it's just, for me, it's been difficult because it's been hard to get the teachers to understand that it's not the same on a mobile device as it is on a computer. So, and they haven't necessarily understood that they need to know what it's like for the learner and experience it from the learner's point of view. So I've been trying to um, observe their lessons via the mobile device and just, so yeah, it's just been, uh, yeah, interesting. I love that. Thank you for sharing. And I think that is important to remember because there are, there will be a lot. Francis, you're in the UK, you said, right? Yeah. 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 
So it's the same here. There are a lot of places also in Africa and the Middle East that where they'll, they're only going to have access to their mobile devices. And those mobile devices won't necessarily have access to all the features that like our iPhone might have. So we have to keep those things in mind too. So thank you for sharing. But basically at the end of the day, what we wanted to... Um, do was take all of those ideas and say because of all the reasons you guys have mentioned devices are really important in this blended approach to learning and so we want to make sure that we celebrate that and and not take it away but find alternatives so what i wanted to add to that again was to going back to routines and saying that it's really really important you guys already talked about planning and creation versus content apps and backwards by design planning and routines at the beginning will be really good so if even even if you're not a computer science teacher or creative media teacher or you're supporting teachers in their roles that are like English teachers, make sure that you still make sure that they understand what digital citizenship is and how they can support their students in making good digital choices when they're um, in online learning, etc. So yeah, thank you for that. All right, so let's move on then down. And I saw Devin popped in a YouTube URL, so I'll pop that into the slide 15 um, table there. So thank you for that. Um, Jenny's next chapter, um, chapter number five, um, is all about, let me grab the title, Failing Forward, my favorite chapter. Okay, and it was someone else's favorite chapter. I think Shannon's maybe, she said. Um, so this one here, is all about um, change culture and mindset. So Devin already introduced that to us at the beginning of today's session. And right, the first thing he shared was it is a mindset thing. And I think it's such a big thing coming into this. And so failing forward is obviously the um, first attempt in learning. But Jenny also gives the analogy to sale. And did anyone want to share um, their connection when they read about that and how that has either impacted or they're hoping to impact their learning, if anybody would like to share. We have some nice comments that I can go to. I just wanted, I just want to give everyone a chance. I was on a via call earlier, guys, and I learned something new from May. So those of you who are trainers on the call, she did a via call for us today, and she always leaves, I swear to goodness, 20 to 30 seconds downtime, just in case there's someone who wants to speak at the last minute. So I'm trying to give a little extra time. I'm trying to learn. So, okay, I'll speak up. I I, I, I did love this chapter. I read it and I was like, holy crap, this is my life right now. Like I feel it on a deep, deep level. Um, and I think that for so long, um, you know, teachers kind of have been told um, and like the, in, in, at least in the American education system that like testing is what matters, standards are what matters. Um, don't step out of the lines because that will put you in some hot water if you don't meet X, Y, and Z. And students get that same message. And so it's this idea that like, we're afraid to, to take risks or afraid to fail because it's gonna be more often highlighted when we're not doing something right than if we're doing something right. I think the affirmation is not, for a lot of administrators, at least in my area, affirmation is not the first um, kind of instinct that administrators have when teachers do good things. I think it's more so when teachers are struggling you know, there you get that email like, hey, we need to work on this. We've assigned you to this or that and the other. And I think that it's unfortunate that we 
have that because I think had somebody, I, I mentioned how like when I first started teaching my first year, one of the first things my department chair uh, or head said to me was like, keep your head down, don't take any risks, like just go with the flow and you'll be hired back next year. Uh, you'll make it to tenure. And I was thinking about, I think about that so often now, 10 years in and like as a department chair now, like I can't imagine saying that to my new teachers because what that does is that immediately puts them inside a box. Um, and it says that it's inherently says, although not externally, it says you have nothing to offer that is good. We already have a system in place. And so just, you know, until you figure this out and you become somebody that's a good teacher, like just go with the flow. And I feel like that is problematic. And I think that that's been the issue with education for so long is people are just content with this like industrial revolution approach to education. Let's get them in, get them fed, get them out, push them into the world, right? Like a factory. Um, and I know other districts are like expanding on that, but um, I just think that we need to be more um, kind of cognizant of the fact that like new teachers are coming in and they have ideas, right? They're growing up in a different world than I grew up even 10 years or people grew up 20 years, 30 years ago. So um, I just think that we need to model that a little bit better, that idea that failure is okay. Um, and I was just really kind of touched by the idea of like, cool, we fail and that's fine. And we can all say, oh yeah, let's fail forward. But ultimately it's really what happens after that failure, the like sale part, the, the next iteration that really is, is needs, needs to be worked on. At least personally, I need to, to kind of be more mindful and reflective about what are my next steps once I do feel like I maybe did not do so well, because that seems to be the name of the game these days. So uh, just two cents. I don't know. I like the idea of failing forward and I'm hoping that I can model that so that my students ultimately can assume that practice as well. You are doing awesome. I just want to give a big shout out. And I really loved what you said there about this industrialized approach to education. And I totally agree. And I hadn't thought of it in that terminology before, but I wrote it down. Thank you for sharing that, Shannon. And um, hats off to you for your fail forward attitude. Melissa had her hand raised. And Becky's giving you a shout out to Shannon. Melissa? Um, just kind of uh, what Shannon mentioned about modeling it for the students. Uh, I just want to share that I was in this training last Saturday and um, that was a, I think his name was Doug Fisher. And he was talking about how when uh, teachers make videos and when they were making videos for their students, he was like, promise me you will make, you'll do this in one take. And if you make mistakes, you leave it in there. And let me tell you something, you should see it. There was about 500 of us in this meeting and the teachers overall were like, like just that, that relaxation because he was like, put the mistakes in there because when you do that, then you go, oh, I mean this and you self-correct. It shows the kids we're not perfect. And it was it was a really good point that I think a lot of us didn't realize until he, you know, he brought that up and then showed us a video where a lady actually made a mistake and corrected herself. And we were like, oh, okay, it's, but it's still a good video and it's still instructional. And She's still personal, she's still genuine, and the kids still get it. So that was just kind of a, when you mentioned modeling it, you know, I, Lord knows I've made mistakes so many times while I'm in the middle of class and kids are like, did you mean this? I'm like, oh yeah, 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 okay, thanks. You know, and, and they call you out on it and you go, hey, you know what? We all have days like this. And it makes it, makes it a little bit more attainable for kids to, or, or more, I'm not attainable. They're more willing to take risks when they see that it's okay if you make a mistake, so. 
No, thank you very much for sharing. It is very important that, and it also brings it down to their level that, hey, we're humans and humans are not perfect. And that includes humans of any age level. So I think it's really important. Um, I'm going to move on to the next question just because I actually lost sight of um, time today. So sorry, that's my fault. I was so inspired by the conversation. Um, so I'm going to move forward a little bit. If you need to drop off, um, you know, obviously feel free. This is just a voluntary um, chat together. If you can stay, feel free and I'll try and move it a little faster just so we finish in the next short while. Um, but thank you so much for those shares. And thank you to Francis, Teresa, Be um, Shannon, and Devin for your thoughtful um, contributions in the chat as well. So if we don't have time to dive into everything, please make sure you go and read after because this question in particular, there was some really good content um, there to learn from. So thank you. Um, also, the next question, sorry, I'm on the wrong deck. The next question, I'm typing in one deck just so you all know, and then I'm sharing my screen on the other deck. So um, the next question is all about the fail fest. So this was new for me when I did this book study um, uh, six, eight months ago, whenever it was. Um, and for teachers and students, Jenny obviously talks about it in her book. She has a little recipe there for fail fest, and she talks about it there as being for... Um, for peer feedback, it doesn't actually read that it's either for students or teachers, but I felt it was for students when I was reading it. However, based on the current things like Badge Ed Tech that our wonderful colleague Rachel has developed for her Innovator Project and other things, I thought, well, actually, why not that could be for educators too? So what do you guys think? Is it the same? Is it different? How could we apply it either way? Let me know or let us know. I think we need to start it with the teachers so that they can then model with their students. Because I feel like until the teachers can truly embrace that idea of, of I took a risk, it didn't work, so I tried something different, they're not gonna be able to, to really get that out of their kids. I love that, Teresa. So model with, student, with the teachers first before the students, I love that. And um, there was a really big share by Shannon again. So thank you for sharing, Shannon. Um, did anybody else want to add into that before we let Shannon dive in? Just a quick, um, so teaching science, we always teach the scientific method is a very linear thing and that your hypothesis is right or wrong. And that's not true. Your hypothesis was proven or disproven. And so I try to dismantle the whole idea of failure in science really early, like the first day of school. I'm like, yeah, no, this is wrong. Forget all of it. Um, and that failure doesn't mean that, um, you know, all is lost and that you have to start from scratch or anything like that. You just have to reflect and revise and that it's not, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something that you need to hide. It is not something that you can't fix. And I think that a lot of people have this very um, concrete view of what failure is and that it's not fixable. It's not, you know, they don't reflect on it and they don't, um, and they can't do anything about it. And, and so why bother? And I think that changing the way we look at failure is going to be a very big deal in how our teachers, even our, mo especially our most reluctant teachers view um, tech and utilize tech and are open to the coaching process. And, and so I think that the failure, um, celebrating failure and, and everything is gonna be essential in the process. I love that, celebrating failure. I'm typing as you talk. 
Thank you, Jessica, for sharing. This is awesome. Anyone else like to share? I'll pop the question back up on there just in case anyone didn't have a chance to read, which is okay. Um, so in the question, I had quoted also Jenny as failure being the pivot of transformation. And it is that part, right, where we actually, it all falls apart. We're feeling really frustrated. And then we're like, okay, how can we take a positive away from that? So I also wanted to bring in, ah, oh, Devin hopped off Devin's whole idea or focus today of mindset, right? And so if we can get into that mindset very early on, that we can take anything positive from anything that went wrong in the failing and um, help teachers move forward that it's a really good um, pivot. I like to think of it as basketball personally, because I used to play basketball in the day before I ruined my knee. And um, pivot is a key me thing. Me too, Georgina, me too. Bonnie too? Mm -hmm. Love it. So I was center because I'm really tall. I guess people wouldn't know how tall I am being virtual. I hadn't thought about that mm -hmm. until just right this second. So I'm six feet tall. I'm pretty tall for, um, yeah, for me. And um, Basically, yeah, so I played center position and you pivot, you basically live under the net and you know, mm -hmm. the key is your house and you basically protect the, the net from getting scored on. So um, it's just very interesting um, to think of it like that. So always try also to pick out analogies. Remember in earlier chapters when we had our book studies together, we were talking about getting to know our staff so that we could meet them on their level to help them pick out and build their challenges, right? Their TIEPs. And so things like that will also help you in this area. The more you get to know your your colleagues, the same as the more we get to know our students, the more we can help them progress as well. So that was the idea there. Um, I don't want to keep anyone on too much longer, so I will pop on to the next question. And Shannon, did you want to mention anything though about what you wrote there? It's really nice. Shannon's going no. Okay. So, we're, so we're, on, we're on question four? Yeah, I, I think I think I pretty much I mean, I think I pretty much kind of talked about like the idea of like, you know, taking risks and, and modeling that and like figuring out the next course of action and such. And so I um, I I really liked like what Teresa said about like this environment where it's like safe. And I'm curious, like, how are you creating that safe environment at your site um, to ensure that teachers are willing to kind of pivot in those moments? Yay, Teresa, go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, unfortunately, I'm I'm just the music teacher, so I don't have a lot of, <laughs> I don't get to create much of an environment. Just but a I music teacher is terrible, Teresa. You <laughs> are a music teacher. I'm just about it. So that's, anyways. <laughs> so, but I think, I think our administration has done a good job of, I mean, so Devin said earlier, building the plane as we fly it. That's actually been my school's motto for the last year. We started a year ago, and we were building our plane the whole year and then COVID happened and like our plane fell into the ocean and like, yeah. Um, but we've always had that kind of, that, that feeling of we're all just trying things and everybody is just doing their best. And the administration has really set up a good environment where, where we don't feel like anything is ever a failure. It's just, we're trying something and then seeing what happens and then making a, a pivot. And so I think it really has to come from the top down. Um, and at least that's what the experience that I had this past year, because if it had been a different administration, ones who were just demanding the highest level of everything all the time, I don't think any of us would have been able to come back a second year because we would have been so stressed. But just 
the fact that our admin was able to be vulnerable and I mean, and the number of times the principal cried in front of us and just, you know, she said, I'm stressed. I don't know what to do right now. What should we do? And that was, that was something that was really, really valuable. And I was with her yesterday and she, pardon my language, but she used the word shit show like six times, but it just made me feel like, okay, it's not just me. Like I'm not the only one who's, who's feeling this, like she's feeling it too. And, and we're all going to get through it. That's my story. I love that. And Bonnie is an administrator. And wasn't there another lovely lady on the chat last Alexis. week? That's it. Alexis. Yeah. Well, Bonnie, yeah. I mean, add on day. to that too. Yeah. In administration, I talk about top down transformation a lot. And I think it's really, you know, like I, I was an administrator now I work at the district level and I work a lot with like alongside administration. And um, that is something I have to figure out this year is whether I want to go back to a school and being an administrator again. Because um, that question has been asked a lot. So I have, that's, that's on my little to-do list is uh, decide who you want to be, Bonnie. So, um, but it, it, it's indicative and it's a, it's really fascinating to me as somebody gets to work a lot alongside a lot of administrations, you can see that, like it's really obvious. Like the day COVID hit and they shut down schools, there was a guy whose his entire faculty is level one certified. He lives it. His whole faculty is already on a Google Classroom. He already communicates through A, B, and C on their website. And he had been doing all these things that we had been saying all along. So whenever we got up to present their plan for like how they were about to handle, you know, the shutdown and like switching to virtual, his was like done. He was like, oh, I know who doesn't have internet access already. How do you not know this about your school? And it was a really a great principal's meeting to watch because it's a big fancy principal's meeting for a bunch of people come. They all, they all have to meet. They're a little competitive. And he just like laid it out. He's like, well, I've been doing all these things that our department has been telling us to do using technology, like in a wise way. And you can tell through his school, like nobody, and nobody contacts me from his school with like a, a silly question. Like, it's always like, okay, I need this and this and I want to, and I'm like, oh, okay, now I can work with it. So um, I, I think, like you said, creating that culture and um, it, if at the top, it, it's really indicative from people standing outside. You can tell if a principal is, has built that into their teachers. I worked for the meanest principal in the whole world for 10 years. She was. She was the meanest person ever. Um, I feel like we, the faculty, joined together on, like, fear. Like, it's this fantastic faculty. Um, but it was like we were all joined together, like, knowing we worked for, like, this really mean dictator. And um, it was just a fact. Everybody knew this. <laughs> She you know she didn't mind you calling her that. She was very mean one, but like she, that generation of principal too has to go. Like she's retired. She can't. She can't be. And I've I've noticed a lot of like retirements and stuff too. Like principals are like, there's there's just gonna have to be in a change in administration. I can talk about this all the day, um, because like one of my friends wants to be a principal, and I told her I was like, you're gonna have to learn the tech, and she was like, why? And I said, because your resume, if you look at everybody else's, is gonna be the same, and if you know the stuff. Like right now, I know when you apply to a principal job in my district, the one question on there is about like technology in education. Because right now, I mean, that's, that's the issue. That's the, the hot button issue. It's very interesting you said that it is because I've been in schools where it has been a lot when I've had a leader. Actually, one of the heads at my last school is also a Google certified trainer. 
And, um, and so the tech was very much promoted. And then in other schools, it may not be the case, mm -hmm. right? And so it's just a very interesting thing. But I did write in the chat just to share with everybody that we do need to remember that administrators are also going on their own journey. And it could be because of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sorry. I don't want, I don't really want to be a principal right now. We're oh. having to deal with a lot of issues about meat and like kids bringing things they're doing at home onto the meat. It's a big mess. And um, I don't want, I'm so glad I don't want to deal with it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to touch it. So, you know, sometimes like for myself, even sometimes we, and we all will do that. Well, we all could have bad days with our line manager, right? Or out with our leader, principal, whatever they're called in your area of the world. And um, sometimes we could walk away feeling frustrated or, or upset about that. And I always try to stop and think, oh man, what did they actually have to deal with besides me today? And so it kind of helps me try to empathize. Um, a little bit more. So just to give them a little bit of space um, to be able to, um, you know, do their job. And hopefully they come back if it was any kind of difficult situation that they had um, and try to fix it. But yeah, humility, Shannon says, yes, love that and empathy. Awesome. Well done. Okay, so the last question, I don't like going through this. I, I wonder if it's because it was my favorite chapter. I wanted to elongate it and then I'm like, but this is their time. You can't take their time, Georgina. So now I'm like fast forwarding a little bit. Just let me know if you have anything though. Um, question five is the last one. And let me find it. There we go. All right. So this one is all about um, system failure. So a little bit, Bonnie talks about like what could go wrong. So right now they're experiencing at an admin level, a Google Meet system failure. But Jenny's idea when she's talking in the book is about that experience. When have you done something or tried something and it completely flopped? And how can we move forward from that? But also how could we try to prevent it? So I think it was Jessica talked a little bit about that before with pre-planning and also Devin. But can you think of a time when you had system failure? And the reason that I'm asking you guys in the book study, because if we have an example that we've been through ourselves, it creates empathy for us when we're supporting our teachers. So I really wanted to leave this book study with this question as you all re-enter back into the schools, remembering that your biggest buy-in ticket with your staff this year is going to be empathy. So would anybody like to share? If Francis is still on the call, I, I'd like to, I would, if I, I'm putting you on the spot, but um, if you want to talk, I, I think you're, you hit the like nail on the head when you talked about like flexibility planning versus spontaneity. Um, and I'd love to hear your experience with that. If you want Francis, she's figuring out her microphone. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can unmute you. Oh, I'm not the event holder. Can you unmute her, Bonnie, maybe? It's okay, Francis, we got you. We're almost sorry. there. Yeah, sorry, I, I totally lost you. Um, the question was about flexibility. Uh, so, what, I, whew, yeah, I mean, as educators, I think that's just what we have to be. It's about focusing on the learners and you don't, like, generally, if I'm planning a course, I can't get any inspiration until I know the learners. So right up until the last minute i'm just flexible until i know the learners and then that inspires me to do whatever is best and was it uh, i'm not sure which question we're on actually i guess 
I just put it back on the slide, sorry. I, I try and hover between the question and the comments so people can read uh, it, but yeah. So it's about the system failure. I can't remember what we were talking about. Being flexible, sorry. No, that's okay. No, you're so fine. I like, I just, you, you talked about how like um, that idea of like balancing between like spending hours of hours planning and then sometimes like that spontaneity, that spontaneity oh, yeah. or that spontaneous shift and how that like is a, is yeah, a challenge. So I'm wondering, I, I'm not good at that. Yeah, often you'll get called in at the last minute to do a lesson and you might, you don't have time to stress over it or worry about it. And sometimes they're some of the best lessons that you do. And I don't know, you just let the learners go with it. And it, it's just a really good lesson. You feel really good afterwards. And I think encouraging people to feel confident will enable them to do that. So this year, I mean, it's my first year as a coach. As we went into lockdown, I became a coach. So I've just been, it's all been about empathy and well like it's my first time too I don't know what I'm doing but we'll all do it together and every time I make a mistake every training session that I've done I've made mistakes and they've seen it so every time they've made a mistake I've just well, you know I'm doing it every time you see me every day and that's kind of made them feel better and that's how we've gone along with it really so yeah I really like that idea um and I think that it's important because then you can celebrate too right like what where you go from there um and so thank you for sharing and Shannon also says modeling and Jessica's husband is an admin so she empathizes with him excellent he's got a lovely wife to help him through that Jessica congratulations Yes. Um, I wanted to share something. As you guys know, I don't participate in the chat, so y'all feel free to, you know, engage. But I, I'm going to try something this year that I thought I would take the opportunity to share here. I think that it's important that teachers have the space to be able to know that they're not alone, but not necessarily they feel comfortable being in a space to share that with other people. And so I was thinking, I don't know if this is gonna work, but this is a risk for myself this year. I was thinking to create a Flipgrid for my staff, but not something of sharing celebrations, as a Flipgrid of fail forwards where teachers could actually share, oh my gosh, this was awful and I need to dump it on the Flipgrid. I am gonna dump it on the Flipgrid. And then not only can teachers walk away from the Flipgrid so they have released and let go, but then it's also a space for other teachers to go and say like, oh, I'm not alone, that happened to me last week. So I don't know what's gonna happen with that space and give me feedback if you think that's good or not. Chan okay, a few likes, okay, I'm gonna try. Let, talk to me, let me know what you think. I'm totally gonna go do that right now. I'm like writing it down so I don't forget because I'm gonna totally make one of those. Oh my goodness, brilliant idea. Regina is going through the Innovator Academy right now though. And um, I believe that they this is something she's been hearing a lot about is like the fail bell. And um, do they, how are they gonna do the fail bell and the, it's no, I've never heard of the fail bell. Tell me, this was all my idea for huh? reading the book. Okay. Body, but tell me about the so fail bell. At the Innovator Academy, um, you know, it's, it's you're when you're face to face, they have bells at everybody's table, and like when your idea goes, you're like, oh my god, what? This is terrible. You ring it, like celebrate your failure, and and throw it, you know, like throw the idea away or pivot or whatever. So they have like a physical, and everybody claps. Fail bell. 
That is super cool. They, they may have said it. Just so y'all know, this innovator is, is split up into like these one hour sessions instead of like a three day space. And so the calls go really quick, Bonnie. We're like here, there, and then it's done. And you're like, whoa, did we start already? So no. I know it felt face to face. So I can't imagine virtual because I know it's not felt face to face. I may have felt that. But what do you guys think? Do you guys think that that could have more of a positive effect? Like I had thought that maybe that teachers wouldn't want to take that up, but I'm hoping I have a couple of risk takers and see if it goes places. What do y'all think? I mean, I you'll it. find yeah. out. Every staff has a risk taker, so you may only get five at first, but eventually I feel mm -hmm. like it'll grow. And so I want to call it my, my fail forward flip grid. That's cute. <laughs> so, so many of you guys know um mel on twitter uh at yeah. she um does something similar to this it's not like that. a fail forward thing um but she does like a weekly for her staff and a lot of people don't respond um but she's gonna keep pushing it like just a weekly like friday wins or she'll switch it up occasionally and it'll be like a wednesday something um and it's her just like modeling like in a short like here's what I like expect. And so I think that that's gonna be really important, Georgina, is like, if you're gonna have the Friday or the fail forward flip, like you, sh you know, put it out there first and make that like more you being vulnerable first so that they can see what, what it looks like. And then they can say, oh, okay. Um, and then even modeling, like you responding to other people's flips so that they know like, it's okay to like do these things within this context. And I think it's epic and I had, a similar idea when I was reading this book. And so I'm glad that I'm not alone with that. Um, and I think, honestly, mm -hmm. I think I think my staff will, or my colleagues will be like all about it. Hopefully, hopefully, maybe I'm just too eager, but. <laughs> I'm just worried because, you know, obviously, yeah, I'm just worried. I don't want it to become a whinge fest. I know Francis knows what that word means. It's like <laughs> complaining um, in, in our, culture and so I don't want it to be a place where everybody goes and complains and I want to set clear expectations that it's not a place to complain about other people that it's just a place to literally dump your system fail and then move forward basically so I'm I am conscientious that that may happen and so let's see how it goes but I'll feed back to y'all and let you know or if you try it before me yes bring it to the table in two weeks yeah Jessica yep. has a good idea she put like a win Wednesday like if you can contrast those two, so there's an opportunity, she put it in the chat, an opportunity to do both. So it's like, not only are we laying out the venting, but we're also being mindful of like the wins, the things that are working. So that's like that balance. I like that, Jessica, good call. And I, I also found over the last, since we all went virtual and stuff like that, um, the tech savvy and the, and the, and the people who are, are you know, helping others and the coaches are the ones who get highlighted more often uh, by by my district and by my, you know, be, because they're out there, they're visible. And so my win for me may be a whole lot different than one of my colleagues who um, still uses a flip phone, for example. So um, they're not, those guys aren't getting highlighted very often by anybody else. And so I think by putting it out there, I think they get um, a little bit of, of you know, acknowledgement for their wins too. One thing that I really took from this was she, it seemed like they were talking about celebrating the risk that led to the failure. 
So if I think if you can like twist it that way, Georgina, that maybe it won't be as much of of a complain fest because you're not you're not you're not complaining that something didn't work. You're celebrating the fact that you took that risk and then and then it didn't work. But then the other thing, this would be a question for what your thoughts are. Like she also talked about when the kids would do it, or I guess I was assuming kids as well, but then they would have the opportunity to like offer each other feedback or like suggestions on what to try next time. Do you think you'll encourage that for your teachers in the Flipgrid to like offer that, that feedback? Yeah, it's a really great question. So I'm really big on teachers feeding back to each other all the time. We have like a pineapple board at my school and they go and observe each other and they come and observe me a lot. And so we do that. I hadn't considered doing that with the Flipgrid because I wanted a space where they could unload and go home happy. But maybe that's a good point. Maybe I should. What do y'all think? Maybe I should do the whole cycle in it. I don't know. Or maybe try one and one, one week, one or... Yeah, it's a good point, Teresa. I just, yeah, I wanted to just have a space where they could dump and then, you know, you know, it's like when something really bad happens and you have a little cry and when you cry, you release and then you can move on, you know. Um, mm -hmm. We were moving tables because my husband has now left the study, uh, not left me, sorry, to be clear. He's left the office space we work in to another room in the house because I'm so loud and, you know, energetic. And in moving his desk out, we squished my finger against the wall and it was like, tears and oh it's bleeding and he's like Georgina you're such a baby but um yeah and so when you cry and then it it, it gets better so I hadn't thought necessarily about um doing the whole cycle in the flip grid but maybe I should then what do you yeah is there a way to turn off comments on Flipgrid and then turn them back on later because you can let everybody get it out on Friday have your weekend and then Monday you can turn on comments and then they can offer their pivot points. I'm sorry. I got to, I got to plug pivot points. I thought that was the best phrase. <laughs> Have them offer pivot points on Monday. And if they want to, they can go back and look at the comments on their video. If they just wanted to get it out and leave it behind, they don't have to go look. Yeah. I love it. See, you guys helped me complete my my risk-taking solution. I love that. Thank you, Jessica and Teresa. That's perfect. So pivot points. Wait, I'm typing. Pivot points on Mondays. Wait, fail forward Friday, pivot points Mondays. And then what did you say after that? Win Wednesdays. Win Wednesdays. And then win Wednesdays. Awesome. So it's a whole week cycle. I like it. Yay. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing. And um, thank you for helping me come up with the solution. And if anybody else tries that too, then we can feed back and share together. Um, so we've gone quite over today, but I really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you for hanging out with Thanks, me. I learned everybody. a lot from sure. you guys. Yeah, brilliant. Um, as far as next week goes for the time, I don't want to be, um, you know, Becky. He was really kind and sweet and said that we were sticking to this time because I'm sleeping if you make it any later in the day on your side of the world. But it shouldn't be about me every time, guys. So if you want to go back to another morning session, we could do one early and then one late or whatever it works out to be. What do you think, Bonnie? Everybody? Um, I don't have a class to teach, so I feel like I should be not. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like people who have classes to teach you the number one folks. Um, why don't we just put it in the chat? We could put it in the... Uh... I'm just doing yeah, another like, poll? Okay, that's cool. Yeah, Let's do that then. Awesome. 
Great. So is that okay for everybody? Again, just drop in the chat or do a DM to like Becky or Bonnie or me if you'd like to see anything done definitely, differently. Definitely. Thank you so much for your contributions. I know it's really busy. So if you were able to contribute in the chat, thank you. And it's slow chat. That means it doesn't stop. So if you want to read the chapters after, because there's even new people joining and then share in the chat after, please feel free to keep it going. And thank you guys for taking time with us today. We appreciate each of you so much. And I'm learning from y'all every Every week so thank you so much for joining um becky did you want no bonnie sorry did you want to um stop the recording then is that okay i can do that cool and um happy back